Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, it's Travis. Thank you to everyone listening for participating in Double Stuff October. It was hugely successful. We have a lot of new fans and friends to welcome to the community. Thank you for joining us. You've picked a very exciting time to start listening. If you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Hotel Pod for updates and official art by Izzy and fan art by everyone and whatever pops into my head when I am supposed to be editing or writing. Take a look at our store and buy a piece of hotel history. Starting this month, we are officially retiring the Square episode postcards and switching to standard postcards because the Square ones cost more to ship and because Izzy wanted more room to draw spooky stuff anyway. Keychain's available still too, and like the Square cards, once they're gone, they're gone. Patrons, all of your stuff will ship as soon as the reservation cards come back from the printers. And okie dokie, I am going to go carve a pumpkin and watch Practical Magic with Lauren because I forgot to record these until Halloween night. This is a really good episode. Just because October is over doesn't mean we're taking our foot off the pedal. Everyone brace yourselves, and thanks for listening. The lobby is small today. Bloody. Walls of flesh stripped to the sinew press in all around us. They sag oppressively, dangerously then bend and stretch away again. Air vents like puckering nostrils breathe deeply, pushing hot breath into the already closed room. Sweat drips down bloody furniture and pools with other liquids in the corners. This is what the guests look like inside, too. Filled with meat and pulp and juice. Held together, barely with skin and chance. To meet one, you'd never know what's inside. Just waiting to spill out all over you. To meet one, you'd think it was something horrible and alive. Not me. Blood and electricity isn't so special. It's certainly not rare. Blood is mostly water anyway. They are an elemental confluence, held together briefly, barely under their own control. Fire is as alive as any of them. The sea is cold, but contains blood as hot as theirs. They are noise and waste. They are meat. This one stomped in from without, squeezing herself through the bloody maw of the lobby, already covered in gore and dust. 
already stained. Marked for death. <laughs> Aren't they all, though? She has a tough look in her eyes. She tried to glance at me as she passed through, but the smile hiding my sneer was too thin. Her glance turned into a challenging stare on her way to the front desk. This one wasn't reared to back down. This one thinks she's tough. Maybe she is. Out there. I need a room, just for tonight. We have just the place for you. If you'll sign our guest book, I'll have our bellhop escort you. Janet shakes her head as she scribbles, not bothering to look up at him or over at me. She's done with me. I've been measured and discarded. Not worth locking antlers with. I lean back against the soft, bleeding wall and measure her. Tight in the face, tight in the gate, dusty boots, but not from the walk through the dirt. She likes them dirty. She likes letting everyone know she likes them that way. Janet likes to say things without a word. Janet likes to cut her way through the world like a freight train. Thinks it makes her strong. Thinks it makes her unmovable. Thinks it gives her an edge over little bellhops with bad attitudes. But bend the tracks just a little, Janet, and you'll be a twisted burning wreck, seasoned with bloody meat. Faster than you can sign your name. Number four. Take a left outside the lobby. It's down on the end. Have a pleasant night. Him, she thanks. She hunches past me, chin up and eyes straight ahead so I can see she's not distracted. Not accidentally ignoring me, but making a choice. Playing some game with me that she believes she is winning. I slither past her and push aside the bunched, sagging skin that serves as the lobby door, holding it open for her. I touch a fingertip to my gray pillbox hat and let my sneer wink at her from behind my smile. Enjoy your stay with us, ma'am. She grunts at me and nods her head. I lean out of the doorway, holding onto the greasy flesh of the door, and watch her walk over the tight-knit bones that line the outside rooms. She glances back at the lobby as she unlocks her door. I give her a little wave to let her know. I can see disappointment and anger flush her face. I've tucked my sneer back behind my eyes and my mouth. A long, thin line bends just enough into a smile that can derail a freight train. Close the door, Hop. 
Don't tease the guests. I tap my hat again, and Janet and I both go back inside. Just making sure she made it okay. He looks up over his reading glasses at me, his free hand keeping the thin pages of the guestbook flat. I know what you were doing. I shrug at him, and he returns his attention to writing in the book with a disapproving harumph. What's it look like tonight? Behind him are four large moist eyes, lined up on a gooey shelf, staring into the lobby. He taps one with his pen, and it makes a sound like hollow glass. We watch, and we wait. The pupil of the eye is large and empty. It dilates just slightly when Sierge taps it. In it, I see Janet in her room, crawling into bed with her clothes on. (sighs) What's she trying to prove? She's alone, probably scared. You know how they get. I certainly do. Even alone, unviewed and isolated, she has to leave the dust on her boots. Leave the clothes on her back. Show the world that she can take it. She doesn't care. She would never. But when her body finally falls asleep, it twists her into a ball. Her hands creep around her pillow and strangles it to her body. Her teeth click and she blows out puffs of hot breath forcefully. She doesn't wake up, but she turns again and again and again, never leaving the very edge of the bed. Janet thinks if she always knows where the edge is, she can never fall off. She thinks if she knows where the danger is, She'll always be ready. She thinks she can brute force life into something manageable and small. But the eyes behind the front desk all turn in unison toward the lobby door. And I hear him. Light steps on white bone. I see him. The hidden blood of the hotel herself already staining His dusty boots. The concierge looks to the sagging, sweating flesh of the lobby doors, too. Together, we all watch a murderer pass by. He passes the first room, and the second, and the third, as steady as a heartbeat. The walls of the lobby sag and heave in dangerous anticipation. He stops outside Janet's door. The eyes behind the front desk look back to us, fearful and expectant. The concierge and I smile at each other, and with a giddy grin, I reach out and tap the bell. 
Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. On the closed circuit, black and white security monitors on the shelf behind the front desk. A murderer waits for instruction. The toll of the desk bell rings across the small lobby and reverberates beyond the empty lines and walls into the starlit beyond. I see him there, through it all, standing just a few feet away from our slumbering guest. I tuck my reading glasses into my breast pocket to watch the proceedings. The murderer, this dusty man with light steps, enters the room softly. He treads suddenly with care, or perhaps curiosity. And surely he must have a curious nature as much as he has hands and hair and intent. It would be narrow to look at this man as a simple homunculus, a thoughtless beast, or a practical concept. We all serve the hotel. We are all extensions of her determination, shaped and crafted for her application. To assume that this man is lesser or more insubstantial is to choose what finger from which you would be most comfortably separated. <laughs> of course, some of us are thumbs, and some of us are pinkies. Perhaps he's just the hard nail at the end of a digit, something sharp used to dig and pick, something that gets clipped, trimmed, and discarded once it becomes no longer convenient but no less real than the staff. Myself, the bellhop, the murderer, and the guest. All full figures to my eyes. All suspended in starlight. All trapped in the hotel. Look, she stirs. I was sure she'd die in her sleep. This one barely sleeps in her sleep. Hop watches on the monitor behind me but I can see everything clearly before me. Past the walls, past the lies, nestled among the terrible beauty of the hotel herself, I see Miss Heard jolt awake in a heartbeat. She screams. It comes quite naturally to her. Miss Heard is a woman who walks quickly when she's not in a hurry. She eats fast when she's not hungry. She's a woman compelled every day by fear. It's almost reflexive. So ingrained in her is this fear that she has manifested a thick, calloused personality to layer over it. To protect her. To keep the world far enough away to never touch that fear which would shatter her totally. Like plucking a raw nerve. For so long, she has honed and refined and projected her callous that she doesn't have anything genuine left inside her anymore except the fear. A brutal lie covering a weeping shriek. It's almost better that she found her way here. What sort of life could she lead out there? Something split her down the middle. Fear and anger. Rather than dissolve the barriers within, rather than see through the walls separating her feelings, she hardened that line. 
When she got angry, her fear grew, so she grew her anger to protect it further. And on, and on, and on. But when the danger finally showed up, when she thought her false anger would protect her, all that was really left was the fear. The only truth she let herself feel, years of it, decades maybe, built up and screaming. Oh, (laughs) she's a fighter, all right. Indeed, she does spring into action, leaping from her bed, kicking and thrashing at her murderous visitor. But fear preserves the self more than anger. She flees. She doesn't even try to get into her truck and drive away, because she is afraid, and fear doesn't abate with anger. It doesn't seek rage and fire. Fear wants love. Fear wants connection. Fear wants reassurance so she runs to the lobby to us to people who can help so she thinks anyway there's no one in my room she jerks the doors desperately terrified in a way that if she weren't so distracted she would have noticed is very familiar to her she will die in the fear she lived her life in. The bell hop hops down off the front desk and snakes her way to her. Do not open those doors. I won't. I just want to look into her eyes when it happens. Ms. Heard jerks and jiggles our doors as the murderous digit stalks closer. She pleads between panicked gasping breaths, nodding and sweating at the bell hop. It takes her a moment only a moment to realize that she, the bellhop, has not come to save her. She merely wanted to hold Miss Heard here, baiting her into staying so she could watch her die. Too late to run now. Couldn't even make it to the truck if she tried. Her face changes. The fear washes away and the practiced layer of anger surfaces again like a birthing cowl. She thrusts her fist against the door, letting her anger take over one last time. She glares at the bellhop with hot tears streaming down her face. She grits her teeth and pounds on the glass of the door over and over, not trying to break it, but letting her know, letting us both know, that she will not die screaming for our amusement. She will die as she lived, fighting for her life. Reality, of course, is less concerned with the plans of the guests than even we are. When death is upon her, not approaching, not threatening, not possible, but upon her, then the anger is gone. It was never really here to begin with, of course. A fabrication, a tool devised by her for her own protection. As useful a tool against death as wishing it weren't so. All that remains is herself. And all of herself that she's got left is fear. 
Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. Rissa Montanez as the bellhop. Damon Allums as the concierge. Bailey Wolf as the auditor. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. The hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Produced by Pacific Obadiah. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. Rissa Montanez as the bellhop. Damon Allums as the concierge. Bailey Wolf as the auditor. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. <laughs>